0: Right, well, welcome back to the Blue Guys. This is Mike Kersella, brand Brian. Hello. Check us out on Twitter at BKBlueGuys on NetsDaily.com. Right now, you can find a piece that I wrote, my annual craziest NBA gifts you can find on the web story.
1: Shamelessly leading with the plug. Did you read uh, it, Brian? I did. I liked it. I laughed. I lulled. La- I you lulled? I liked the uh, the tr- uh, the Bobcats year yearbook thing. <laughs> still that, out there. That got me.
0: I actually thought I would buy you the, uh, so they have an old Nets logo sort of yeah, notepad. <laughs> Kinda of wanted it. It seems like yeah. it fit into the aesthetic. We are we are in Brian's abode.
1: My what is my aesthetic? It's like um crap. It's like hermit
0: <laughs> like psycho. Well we've talked about this before, but you have a pro scan TV. Yeah. Um it's a you know it's a twelve incher. What what's this used for?
1: Uh for gaming dog. What are you talking about? Do you is it the Wii? That's a that's a soft modded Wii.
0: So hacked Wii. From wall to wall it's four feet. Yeah, maybe no, come and on. then you play Wii within these within these. Confines. It's not that I play
1: Wii; I play like old. Even <laughs> it's not I, that I play Wii; I, I play like emulators of you know Sega Master System. Dog, come on! Oh sure,
0: you got me into the emulators. That's how I found Pokemon again in my life. That's how Pokemon What's, got back. Let's in my not
1: life. let's not turn turn this into a big <laughs> of, episode where we, where we rail a on Apollo tweet
0: me. me. Apollo tweet. That is why you fail. Uh. Star Wars, by the way. Anyways, uh, <laughs> yes. Hold, I'm not still, actually... Still yeah. holding out, huh? I'm not quite ready to Apollo Tweet, Brian. Uh, Apollo Tweet. Karis Lurwitz would been fine. Here's the thing. Here's the thing with, with our
1: tweet. fans. Hashtag and Apollo tweet, I'm sorry. Here's what they don't get about you, first of all, Mike. Unless, <laughs> this I, is what they don't get about I me. Don't, I don't <laughs> ever really defend Mike in my personal life, just on the podcast. <laughs> that being Indefensible. said... He likes to... Okay, well, I guess the larger point is in, sure. in in the podcast game. I think it's okay to criticize someone's present. Well, you know, cri- you know, have it, holding out faith that their future sure. is very bright, which is sure you have to be able to do
0: that. You have to be critical of someone in the moment, yeah, and hope that it works out later. is
1: all potential, or was all potential. He is beginning to reveal, you know, the layers of of actual present talent that we all thought were there. You know, it was wasn't like yes. we thought it was in. You know that he was a bad player. Point end, period. It's that, uh, you know, he was... He I was, was almost getting a to a point
0: where I was thinking he'll never do this. Yeah. He'll never do this. But what's actually been interesting about this evolution of Karis LeVert is that he's a better player in terms of a certain area of, of his game than I ever thought he possibly could be. Who knew that Karis LeVert was a point guard, which is what he's been the backup
1: point guard for this team. Dude, I we talked about this like a month mm. and a half ago probably. And we were like, he's been getting some reps at backup point guard. He should be exclusive backup point
0: guard. And uh, now that seems to be the case. Here, just going through a past couple of games, I think the past five or six games I'm about to mention, in terms of assist totals six, five, three, six, ten, five, and eight. Eight being last night against the Wizards. Um, so that's more than just being a swing guy who can kind of get you a bucket or two, can produce a bucket or two for other players. That is legitimate. Uh, backup point guard skills, Brian. <laughs> yes, yeah. God. And what's what I actually love most about it—the fact that he's a ball handler—is that his shots, like his shot percentages, aren't great. Still, it's mm-hmm. not like uh, like what D'Angelo was hitting threes and doing really well around the bucket. Like that were great. But what I like better is that because he's handling the ball, his shots where they're being taken are in better places. Um, he for most of the time when he was horrible early in the year he was receiving a pass and then shooting it wasn't like he was trying to make a move or anything he was mm-hmm. waiting he was wide open at a three-point line now because he's handling the ball he's driving to the bucket he's trying to make something happen and he's end up being closer to the bucket making better shots mm-hmm. closer to the rim or or open threes as opposed to where before he was lost out there in the wilderness couldn't find exactly where he was and he was horrible early on this is a big development i mean like legitimately this is a a big development for this team.
1: Can I play a, a voicemail? Please do. Okay,
0: here I go. Is it going to blow my face off? No. Hey guys, this is Tim from Jersey. A long time Nets fan. My question is in regards to Dinwiddie, Levert, and D'Lo. So what do you guys think is going to happen uh, when D'Lo comes back? Do you think Dinwiddie stays on in the point guard role or do you think he moves back to the bench and you know, with the hop play of lavert playing the point guard, do you think, you know, it should be Lavert in the backup point guard spot with Dinwiddie starting and D'Lo as a two? All right. Thanks a lot, guys. Love the pod. Love you, Doug. Um, so that's pod at Gmail for all your voicemails and emails. That's gmail.com, not
1: dot, <laughs> dot .gov. Um, so he brings up an interesting point. When D-Lo comes back, we will suddenly have kind of a log jam at the one, which is laughable. You know, if you had you had predicted that this would be the case, you know, in his absence, said, oh, like, we're, we'll have too many people at the one spot. Right. I would have smacked you upside the head, and chucked you out of my house, Mike. <laughs> I'm thinking about doing it right now. Just talking about it. <laughs> Please. Um, but since, since D-Lo went down, we have six wins, seven losses, so near 500, which is like... Probably, you know, what we should expect for the rest of the season, TBH. Yes. I mean I mean that's that's like the conservative, like,
0: you know, Vegas version of what we should expect for the rest of the season. I think it's gonna be interesting because I mean we let's we'll address that with question, but like in terms of wins and losses, I think there's gonna there's obviously just gonna be happening where they're gonna lose six games in a row. It's just like I don't think this team is quite good enough to where they're just gonna keep being a five hundred team. But I do think at the end of the year, get down their best two players. I mean, come on. I just think if, it's a if, natural thing. If of you're the not going to fire off six losses now, it's you know this is the time to do it. Right. But basketball season's a weird, to- weird thing. Unexplainable things happen during the season. You end up losing games randomly. Sure. But Mike, you know this would this would be the time to get that
1: out of your system. This would be a great time to. <laughs> yeah. So, this is undisputably s- a great time. So I'm saying, think like, You know, maybe the ceiling's just a notch higher. We're we're 11 okay. and 15. We're and I, that's fine. two and a half games
0: out of the a spot right now, dog. It's very real. I, I also saw. weren't we like two and a half? Aren't we also two and a half out of the sixth seed? Like I forget. I, think, yeah, I don't know if all the tight. records. It's all tight up there. It's very possible. Um, what happens with Lavert Dinwiddie and D'Angelo? It's a good question,
1: and I and I, you know, ruminated on this extensively last night while I was at the game. Um, me and George were were out there, um, getting crunk, keeping it lit. Um, <laughs> we were in you know, uh, the Honda Club, passing around the gray goose.
0: Uh that's not true. None of that happened. But we I haven't drank with your dad much, but what I love about the style of drinking your dad does is it's it's not um flamboyant. It is it's classically I'm drinking a beer. Drinking a beer, not going I'm not getting drunker. I'm mm. just drinking more. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? The classy kind of way to drink. Whereas me The minute I start drinking beer, I get excited and I start acting out and reveal my inner self.
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I I, I can't hold it together, essentially. Gotcha.
1: Um, Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I don't know what to say about that. But uh, we were thinking about what to do with this situation. And honestly, I'm not sure that I have an answer for this thing. Like, outside of, you know, people don't want to hear this stuff, Uh, they don't want to hear it at all. But the, you know, it's, if, if you were a cutthroat manager a la Danny Ainge or something, you would be probably seriously considering trading one of those two dudes. I know that that sounds great. I know everyone wants me to, like, come out here and not, uh, you know, offer those... Two cents, and and I get it, but you know we have a podcast, and we sometimes we have to ruffle
0: a few feathers with some crazy ideas. Well, if you're going to trade any of them, you would trade Dinwiddie, but I don't. I mean, that's not going to happen. No, not like, right now. Like Sean Marks is going to do that. This is a two year problem. This
1: isn't. This isn't a t- today problem.
0: Well, what's interesting is that like so like LeVert has been a lot better, right? And he's he's nice as a backup point guard.
1: I should say that the issue is if you. If you decide that you can't move one of those two players to the two, which I think Karis Levert makes an obvious, you know, but still you're you're kind of burying his his best attribute, which is his ball handling.
0: Right. And that's a but and also so I am excited about his growth as a ball handler and as a point guard. But ultimately he is not a point guard. And if he's gonna be really good for your team this year coming up and for the years next, he needs to actually be go back to being the two and three. To be a guy who's not the first ball handler, he's the guy catching the pass and then hopefully creating off of that. Um, So, like, growth, great. Love it. Awesome. He's been better this year than even, you know, the, over this, like, last 10 games than I had thought he could possibly be this season. But he's better in a way that's not necessarily um, super helpful for you, especially if your team is run by D'Angelo Russell. Because ultimately... Like I think we already forget how good D'Angelo was, mm-hmm. uh, because we're talking so much about like moving D'Angelo to the bench and letting Dinwiddie and Lavert be the starters yeah. and things like that. When in reality, D'Angelo was twenty five and five. Basically, he was young, Harden, um, awesome from three, great creator, blah 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 blah. So, to me, it's if you do power rankings of point guards, right? You go. D'Angelo Russell, undisputed number one. I would still go Dinwiddie, too, just because, uh, you know, like, I I know he hasn't been shooting that well recently, but he's still the better point guard. Mm -hmm. He's still the better, like, full team utility, (laughs) and he's a better defender than LeVert. Not LeVert's a bad defender. I think what we need to start doing is looking
1: at guards on this, like, matrix, you know? So it's like... If if you know oh, there's a 1.5 versus like a two or something, sure. We need even like more shades of gray. Like I feel like I feel like D'Angelo Russell's like a 1.4, like Lavert's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like a 1.6 or something, and Dinwiddie's like a 1.2 or something. Yeah, <laughs> you know that?
0: and that's What yeah. will we'll be exciting is to like to put them all through on the floor at the same time. Yeah, just put all three of those ball handlers out on the same time and try and create an offense around the fact that you have three people that are gonna be able to create for other players and themselves all over the floor. Yeah. And and the good thing is that D'Angelo and Dinwiddie can shoot threes.
1: Another thing is, too, like, <clears throat> you know, and this is just like me, you know, I, I think it makes sense to just also have depth of the position, given the fact that everyone's been hurt forever on this team. So, <laughs> yeah. so maybe it's just, it's just maybe, always going to happen. Yeah, maybe like selling them off now is, is a bad idea uh, for that reason, too.
0: And again, it's like, so when, when D'Angelo comes back, I think sort of what will naturally happen is, D'Angelo will go back to being the dominant ball handler. I think you're they're going to put Dinwiddie as sort of the backup point guard role, and Lavert's going to be pushed back to the wing. But you hope that this confidence that he has now and his improved play can carry that over to the wing with him. You know, you, you just that that would be the hope coming out of this. You Nobody know whose minutes?
1: Like I'd be. Sort of monitoring and when when D'Lo gets back it 's mostly alan Crabb, t b h like I feel like yeah, if, I if anyone's going to get or any if, if anyone should just on a pure merit based um uh you know reasoning system like that's the guy for me that seems to be doing the least, and I hate to say it because you know y- you 're rooting for him, you want him to make good on that we were talking me and me and g w were talking last night that like. You feel the anxiety in every three-pointer he takes because, like, that's why he's here. Is like, this is
0: my... Especially last night when he was so horrible. And then he finally hit the one at the end of the game. Yes,
1: totally. Like, my all of my $70 million are riding on me doing this one thing at a professional level.
0: Yes. (laughs) And and I wasn't able to do that. Right. So I'll do this thing. And, you know, this is a fun thing to always do. Player A, player B. Both are players on the nets. I'll give you the per 36 numbers. And you're going to guess who's who. Okay, one is Joey Harris and one is Alan Crabb player a don't look at the screen player a 15.5 4.3 rebounds two assists, 39.7 from three and 46 percent overall player B 16.1 points 5.2 rebounds 1.8 assists 39.6 three point percentage essentially the same but 41 percent from the field now let me guess Brian who who who's who I'm guessing player B is Joe Harris. Player B is Alan Crabb, yeah. worse from the field, slightly more scoring, sl- one more rebound a game in terms get, of per 36. I I'm surprised more about the assists. That was kind of just keyed in on the assist. They're both the same. I mean, well, basically, if you looked at this, they're essentially the same player. Okay, It's just that jo- Joe Harris is a little bit of a worse rebounder, one less a game, but he's a little bit better overall from the field. They have this almost exact same three-point percentage. They both average around 15, 16 points. So here's the thing we kind of get to. It's awesome that Joe Harris is playing this well, right? Mm -hmm. It's such a big win, and it's also, um, you know, I don't want to do this now necessarily, but they're going to have to trade Joe Harris partly because you're not going to want to spend – I don't know how much money you're going to spend on Joe Harris to be a backup shooter on your team when you are spending $19 million a year now on Crab. Joe Harris is a free agent at the end of this year. I don't know quite about what rights he has in terms of if the team has bird rights or whatever the situation may be. I don't think so. Um, But Joe Harris is playing great. We love him. Fantastic. Alan Crabb, though, is playing the exact same, essentially, statistically, as Joe Harris. And Alan Crabb is getting paid $19 million a year. That is a problem, Brian. Mm. And, you know, we love Sean Marks and everything that he's done. You know, we, we wanted to pod and do talk about Okafor and Stauskas, right? Like, we thought, at least I thought, like, oh, maybe they'll play a little bit, so Yeah. able to dig into them. That was a win trade no matter what. It's just, it's just going to be. Getting a second round pick for Trevor Booker and then getting two guys that you can basically give an extended tryout to is a win. Mm-hmm. This crab trade, so far, may be one of the worst trades this offseason. Even, honestly. Because they, they gave up, yes, they...
1: Yes, it is. It, it depends on what I mean, this always goes back to the timeline question at the time that he's coming off your books, that might be a valuable expiring contract,
0: but the time that that we're actually trying to be good, but they they did not make this trade to make him an expiring contract. And also he is a player option at the end of his contract, which complicates the expiring contract conversation sure, what, but what, only- here here's what they gave up, okay? Andrew Nicholson, who doesn't matter, right? And yes, that would have been eight money eight million dollars dead on their books. Instead of $8 million out of the books, they get $19 million and it's Alan Crabb who, you know, is an okay three point, pretty good three point shooter. But they gave up the opportunity to then use that cap space to get another first round pick or get a different player who may have a little bit more value than Alan Crabb. I mean, they are dedicating a tremendous amount of their salary cap to a guy that, frankly, has been a disappointment. And there's, I don't think there's any other way to look at it.
1: Yeah. I mean, okay. So, I mean, we're still like uh, we're still 2 months into the season like it's still pretty early to be jumping into like this is a deadweight contract forever and like you have to eat it like i get it like but i'm I not think, saying that i think that the the like <clears throat> potential the glimmer of like hope is like dwindling and that sucks and and it's not good to like to feel that way and to see that Still, you have to keep the door open a little bit for him to reach some version of that potential. Yes, but um, if you're grading the trade now, if I'm grading it today, you're right. Yes, it's, it's a D. It's a. It's
0: not good. It's a D, and I'll say it. <laughs> it is a uh, a dirty D. It's a D, Might Brian. Just you, you. just got D'd up. Um, and I love Sean Marks. I think the D'Angelo trade is an A plus, even though the the Mozgov contract's horrible. That's an A plus. Because I think D'Angelo, ultimately, if, if health is fine, I think he's going to be an awesome player for this team. The signings of Dinwiddie, Joe Harris, A++++. plus 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 plus. The Allen Crabb deal is a D at the moment. And I don't hate Alan Crabb. I like what he brings to the team in terms of he is a good three-point shooter. But we both talked to Chris Axman to start mm-hmm. the season. Big fan of Alan Crabb. And the belief was that Alan Crabb could come here and maybe be more than what he was. He is less than what he was in Portland shots fired shots. now that's that situation right He's playing with Lillard and McCollum so you're good it's gonna be easier to be a wing guy yeah but anyways positives Brian <laughs> um, Hey, did you see there's this
1: uh, um, you know I don't always like to just like you know um, boost other people's posts or whatever this uh, dude uh, what's his name you know I'll get the name Uh Alex West did a uh, thing about wh- why am i watching the brooklyn nets so often on 94feetreport.com which i always like wa- uh, like eavesdropping on other people talking about the nets who don't normally cover the nets sort of a sick fascination of mine yes um, he so i recommended uh, everyone's um, i recommended it to everyone but it's mostly just about like so he watches generally like a bunch of league pass games he's like a you know guy that covers the league um, and finds himself watching a lot of the Nets for a variety of reasons. And I feel this way too. Like, so despite the Alan Crabb thing, like they've hit on so many more things than they missed, even down to the Jared Absolutely. Allen pick, which people were like, didn't like, well, we didn't, had no reaction to that. Didn't night. know how to react. It's like, what, what is this unknown quantity here? It's not Wasn't really expected a to be we, there. Like think about really for this team. And now all of a sudden we're talking about BLT big men. Like the whole world <laughs> is on fire. Talking about BLT big men. Um, just kidding it's just me um but it's gonna happen it's gonna stick uh but yeah so uh i, I recommend it to everybody just because it's nice to see other people sort of like just be like wow this is like it's a just really fun to watch and be yes. like what they're doing is interesting like I, me and so we were watching the game last night and uh uh you know midway through the fourth or third quarter when we started to um like wizard started to catch back up whatever we got to like a 12 point lead and yada yada. Um, and GW was like, I hope at the end of this game, Jared Allen is going to close this thing out one. And that <laughs> and that Karis Lavert, uh, Damari Carroll at uh, Ronda Hollis Jefferson and Dinwiddie are going to be there to close it out with him. And that's the exact five that were on the floor the last three minutes of that game. And, and they did the job and it was great. To, and that was like, and it, Basically, what it's suggested to me is that Kenny is very aware of everyone's stock, you know, like stock rising in, in various. so he's like, you know, it'd be really easy to be like, hey, we went with Zeller. He's the veteran player. Like he's like, we're going to live and die with like, you know, the veteran know how of guys like that. Like, I don't want to put Jared Allen in a position, but, you know, shoved him out
0: there. And he like did all the right things, you know, it did was, all the right things yeah. and he's looking better. And I think maybe that's like another win, right, for Marks yeah. is that like Atkinson is in Popovich, but he's. He's been way better than, uh, let's say, like generic suit coach X, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, he's, he's above the mean. He's yeah. above the mean, which is a huge thing for this team. Yeah. Um, the win, I mean, like, so obviously John Wall wasn't playing for the Wizards, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, that win was an important win because you did have Bradley Beal on the floor for the Wizards. You had other guys who'd been in playoff situations on that team. And the Wizards, uh, not the Wizards, but the Nets withstood that comeback. They, the other the wizards came all the way back, and then the nets got them back and made several key plays and actually looked like the better coached team at the end. Mm. I mean, the wizards had the five second call on the inbounds play, yeah. which is ridiculous. Yeah.
1: Um, <laughs> there it is, people. You see You it, see what just happened? Yeah, let us Homerism out. I'm just so mad.
0: Yeah. Um, that we will. I think. I think next week is the the determining factor for should we have the nets. Full playoff conversation because we the the Knicks game is coming up. The Knicks game is like the biggest Knicks Nets game since I don't know when in the past five years, right? Well. Wow. The biggest one since Pearson and Garnett were on this team or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um which it's still nothing. It's the combined records of both teams is not even five hundred at that point. I think it's still sub yeah, five. I mean, Their game over five hundred. Um but the it, it I love the fact I think Netsdaily.com tweeted this out on Twitter at Nets Daily, uh, that the pick right now f- that's in the Cavs' hands would be the 11th overall pick, mm-hmm. which is just another fantastic thing. Yes. And even if they don't make the playoffs, which is like, they still got a-, a lot that has to happen just getting that pick into the double digits would just be so sweet for this team and it would mean like just a massive amount that dude, they're able to do I it i mean if
1: if if Jaleel Okafor goes back to being a 20 and 10 dude or whatever like <laughs> yeah if that happens and then we get D'Angelo russell back like and he's uh, you know a, a a team leader and probably the best player on our team you know we're, we're missing our our two best players let me just quickly play <laughs> cheer boy kyron darcy's uh voicemail to us are you okay with that please do
2: what a great evening, what a great evening, glue guys, uh, this is your boy Kyron Darcy, of course, I'm excited about the uh, Jaleel Okafor trade, uh, funny thing is I made this trade about two weeks earlier on uh, NBA 2K, uh, though I traded uh, Tyler Zeller for Jaleel Okafor, but um, yeah, tell me, I, I mean, I'm sure the podcast is going to be centered around this whole thing, but how do you see the D'Angelo Russell, Jaleel Okafor dynamic? Like both were two his prolific scorers coming out of college. Um definitely D'Angelo Russell has proven that he can be a top-notch scorer and a top-notch player in this league. Um, what are your thoughts on how what you think the next Nets expect of Jaleel Okafor? And um how do you see him and D'Angelo Russell um, kind of meshing together when DeAndre Russell gets back, uh, I'm guessing like for the rest of the season. How do you see uh, you know those two playing out? And finally, what does this mean for Jaron Allen?
1: It's
2: your boy Kyron
1: Darcy, um, beautiful. <laughs> thanks for hitting us up, netspot at Everybody, send in your MP3s or record them on your phone or send them to Google Voice and the number we don't re- ever remember, so it's a big secret. If We're you know prepared. it, it's good, good on you. Um, so uh, just wanted to tie that in end of the conversation. So Jaleel comes in and he's our second best player, you know, like, like we're all hoping that will be the case, although it's not super likely. Sure. Um, what version of, so here, let me say this. I was listening to him doing some interviews and, uh, some people were asking him, like, "Hey, you're shooting threes now." He's like, "Yeah, I've been working on threes. Hey, you're super light looking; like, you've lost a lot of weight. He's like, "Yeah, I'm a vegan now. Um, a lot of good signs. Excellent. It takes a lot of discipline to be a vegan. Have you ever tried to do anything like that? It's no, a never. giant pain in the butt. I don't care how many millions of dollars you have; it's a huge pain in the butt. <laughs> <laughs> like I did. I was a vegetarian for a few years. Sucks, really bad. Yeah. Um, and I was eating fish, you know, and and uh, which it would not be a vegetarian, right? That's a pest. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> but it's like, <laughs> I got a big laugh. Out of yeah,
2: that. You're, you you you're nailed it. So what uh, <laughs> <laughs> you think?
1: Oh man. Uh, okay. I don't, I don't even know what to do with that, but um, so he's a vegan and so anyway, so he's doing things that are like pretty challenging to do um, for a person his size. And like, you know, at that age. Uh, so, you know, anyway, so I don't think it's, it's a crazy to say that he can adapt to whatever Kenny Atkinson is going to throw him. And he's like a, a actual good athlete and he's super coordinated so if he can just isolate the few things that he does really well and hide all those bad things that he doesn't do and also let me just say this i heard him talking to uh, or uh, paul pierce there's a i forget what it was it was some uh, uh article where they referenced the fact that paul pierce had talked to um julia lokafor after the like the you know that, th- that one clip where he's I think it's, he's guarding the Houston Rockets or something. And he's just like flat footed. And it looks like it's just like, it looks like a really bad low effort play. Sure. Um Paul Pierce, like approached him on this, like called him up and was like, Hey, like actually you're in position in that play, but here's the thing that people are like calling you out on. Here's why it looks, like, it's just body language. Your body language is really bad. And like, so like, yes, like you're not in no man's land defensively. Like that's, you're in the right place, like theoretically, but you just look terrible. Yeah. And that's a big, yeah. like, that's a yeah. bit
0: sort of why the James Harden thing happened all the time because yeah. James Harden's such a blank sort of person out there. Yeah. And then when he wasn't playing defense, it, it seemed lack of emotion on the court and lack of activity on the court. And Jaleel Okafor sort of has the same thing. Also, yes. his body shape. You know, you're talking about pre vegan, pre vegan yeah. Okafor. A little bigger. He, he just looks like a guy that should be bad he at defense. Kind of has
1: a, he's got the, the matronly look of, of large mammals everywhere. You know,
0: <laughs> the, kind of, the kind of sleepy. Yes. You know. Um. So, like, so I always th- find it interesting that people say about the Nets and Okafor that, like, how are you going to incorporate him as a post player? Are they going to be running post-ups for Okafor? That's not really going to happen. That doesn't really happen to anyone in the NBA anymore. But the. His talent as an interior scorer also was dependent on his ability to catch the ball and be crafty around the hoop and get it into the hoop. So ultimately, the vision that I see for him kind of working out is that he will not be the focal point of the offense when he is on the floor. And that makes a lot of sense because that's not how you run an NBA team now. What he will be is that he will be a guy who... He could be the guy receiving that second or third pass near the hoop, and I have faith that he'll put it in. It's why I like Zeller so much. I like Zeller because I have faith that like, when he's kind of floating around the rim and he's half open, that he's going to score. Um, that's that's why Mozgov doesn't play, because in Mozgov you don't have actual faith that he's going to do that. If Oak was, Oakford scores, I don't know, what would be the number? Eight points a game. Because I'm not thinking, he's, he's not going to get many minutes. I, I don't know what, mi- what minutes do you think he's going to be at. Just about. I mean, I think it's maybe 20 would be pushing it. I think it's going to be closer to like 14. Because ultimately, you're going to, I don't know if, it's not like they want to play Zeller, but I think is going to start to sort of be Atkinson's statement. Atkinson's statement of, you know, this is a guy who's on our team. He's been working really hard. We're not just going to put Okafor in the starting lineup. Jared Allen has to get minutes. I think Okafor is around that 14-minute mark. If he scores 8 points in 14 minutes, that per 36 is, you know, whatever it would be, 17 (laughs) points a game. Do that math. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I mean,
1: honestly, I see it fluctuating a lot on a per-game basis. Like, I could see Kenny thinking that he's seen some kind of matchup thing that he's going to work. Like, I think think the way I would see it is, like, you have kind of a specialist, right? You have a dude that can really, like – Hammer a team that doesn't have a traditional yes. center, um, especially
0: with the backups like right. that's He's going to be this little nice little bench weapon for the team. Totally. So I think like, yeah, I think probably
1: like average. Yes, I'd say right. But I, I do suspect there will be nights where he gets upwards of like 28 minutes or something on a, on a per game basis. And then also DNPs. You know, there's going to be, I, I bet there's going to be DNPs in there. And I wonder how he's going to respond to that kind of thing.
0: Well, and I like, so obviously I love Dinwiddie and Lavert, but I do think D'Angelo's passing ability the sort of, because D'Angelo is the best one on the team of getting into down by the hoop and then getting it to the big man on little crafty passes around other defenders. That's really going to be great for Okafor. Cause Okafor, Okafor is just going to be sitting there waiting. His guy's going to go to D'Angelo and Okafor will be waiting for a pass. Yeah. And I've, A lot of faith that Okafor will be able to put that in. Most of his points are going to come off of that. I don't think they're going to create an offense around Jaleel Okafor, and they probably shouldn't.
1: Nope, they probably shouldn't. Um, Okay, what next? Who
0: was on crack? Let's uh, get word from our sponsors. Yes, please.
2: It's the news! Ah! All right, go, go.
0: All right, that is news around the league here. Was was it ever came in hot, boy. um, You know, you don't want to talk about the balls too much, but you kind of have to because I still find them somewhat interesting and they do things that are outside the norm. And there's a story came out that about the Lakers front office met with LeVar Ball to ask him to tone down some of his public criticisms of head coach Luke Walton. Okay. So I want to sort of walk through this whole thing. And, and LeVar Ball spoke to this. I think he spoke to Ramona Shelburne from ESPN saying it was the best thing, man. Everybody's trying to say, make it an ego thing like I'm trying to tell them what to do, tone it down. It's not about that. It's about coming together and to get a solution to this problem. Okay, here's what I find is interesting, okay? Who would leak a story like this? Who would go to a reporter at ESPN and say there was a conversation between the Ball family and the Lakers? It would likely be the Lakers, because we actually have a quote from LeVar Ball, so he wouldn't be the the source's say in this situation.
1: Mm.
0: What is the benefit of the Lakers leaking this story? To me, if I am actually LeVar Ball, it would make me so angry Mm. that I feel like they're they're acting like they're handling me in some way. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I just—I'm pro-LeVar Ball for the most part, and now this Lithuania thing is— Like super nuts, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Would you classify taking your 15 year old out of school and your 18 year old, who isn't going to be an NBA player, taking them away from a free education and then throwing them into Lithuania? I think that is crazy. Yeah, it's pretty wild. And I also, that type of person, I don't know if they're going to love stories about them on ESPN about how we're trying to handle this situation. (laughs)
1: Neat fact about Lithuania, I just learned. Please, most uh, ounces of alcohol per capita, man, woman, and child—the most alcohol drank in the world—is Is in Lithuania.
0: I wonder what what would be the liquor of choice. Got to find that out. It's
1: probably going to be vodka. Probably going to be vodka. I'm going to go cheap vodka. Um, it's like nine of the ten countries that are in the top ten are like Eastern Europe. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> they just like it. They just like Makes to get sense. down. They love to party. Yeah, yeah. Can't knock it. I love to party
0: um the ball boys are gonna be partying over there i don't know i just find and lavar's like not or lonzo's not great right now i'm pro lonzo but i just we're getting like a couple of these stories that there's that other story the other day about how uh the media is no longer allowed to go to the guest section of staples center when the lakers are playing they used to be able to walk in there and talk to people like lavar ball that no longer is happening um I don't find it um helpful for the Lakers to be leaking stuff to the media that basically make LeVar Ball look like he's being handled. I don't think that's a good smart situation. Is the I'm trying
1: to look at if the Lithuanian team is good. Like are they known to be a good team? Like why so, what what about Lithuania in particular?
0: So apparently this team's really kind of fascinating is that the coach of this team has been called the LeVar ball of Lithuania he's <laughs> barely a psycho that's
1: what do you think LeVar ball was just like the, the LeVar ball of, of. X <laughs> he,
0: just, he just started LeVar ball of and then this is the guy that popped up yeah um, where they're playing is a, like half the seats are reserved for the owner and his friends and they just kind of go there and like have a good old time and everyone else is paying $5 for seats and um, I really I think the big issue was, was like, where could they put somewhere? Like, L'Angelo, I think, is the second kid. LaMelo is the third. L'Angelo isn't supposed to be that good at basketball. Where can they find a team that would take both of them so that they could play together? Because they're not going to play for Barcelona or any of the big teams out there in Europe. I don't think this team is good. You need to see a shot of their gym. Their gym is, like, not – and you just zoomed in – on. Doing a
1: street view of Lithuania just a random street and in Lithuania. Just, it was lo- like
0: a donkey in the middle <laughs> of the street. Dude. I mean, it looks nice. Don't get me it wrong. It does look nice. Um, it'll be interesting. I don't think this is the right move. Father. Um, next story. Come on, this looks like a nice little you could walk around here. Next story for you. So the Nets were in Mexico. That was that was, you know, a, a decent trip for them. They beat the Thunder and the lost to the Heat. The Heat game is really tough. But um Adam Silver while they're saying that they're looking at putting a G League team In Mexico, this would be the 31st team of the G League. What are your thoughts about that, Brian?
1: I got to tell you, like, you know, look, I don't know much about international PR or international basketball, you know, period.
0: We we may know someone who (laughs) does.
1: Yeah, but it did not seem (laughs) to me that there was a huge, like, thriving... Hungry basketball market in Mexico.
0: They were nets. There seemed to be nets fans there, or like were there. Know, it
1: seemed to be like the Heat game was like kind of poorly attended by, to my eye, and that's surprising because you would think the Heat would connect. Just yeah, you know. But Spanish speaking. But honestly, like that's my uh, my brother-in-law is Puerto Rican, and he's just like I don't. It's like a different language. Like the, the way that they speak is. Spanish is totally different. It is my
0: yeah. my coworkers from Spain, and. He had to read a spot for, a, like, a known Dominican radio station here in New York. Yeah. And the, <laughs> the manager of the station heard it and said, who's speaking the Queen Spanish here? Yeah. Like, it's just different. Right. It's a different thing. But I thought the Thunder game, there was, like, a vibe and an energy in the crowd um, about it. I don't know. I mean, if I'm a G League player and the places I'm playing in are, like, you know, Long Island's good. There's, like, an L.A. team-ish, right? There's the L.A. Defenders. But then there's also the Sioux City somethings. To go into Mexico City is like on the stop of cities to go to, I think, would elevate yeah. my <laughs> understanding. Like I would sure. be like, yeah, that's awesome. That's fantastic. I get to go uh, go yeah. play in Mexico City. I find it interesting that that's how the NBA would choose to go south of the border, that they would basically give C-level product. I'm kind of interested
1: to see like why aren't they? I mean, like I know the Vancouver Grizzlies was kind of a disaster, but that's really f- pretty far for most places, uh, for most teams to to travel to on a regular basis. Like stick a team in Montreal, but you never hear I've never heard of anyone talking about putting a team in Montreal or any of the other kind of for basketball. Yeah, larger Canadian cities. I mean, I get that that's you know fairly far itself, but
0: and I wonder if it's like uh, the Raptors owner probably has a sense of like let's be the team of Canada and yeah. I'm sure they'll fight sort of but like, anything. so it's
1: been like 20 years or whatever since they've been there. And like only now it's like, you know, they have a successful franchise. It seems really well attended. Like they have the rap what, the Park thing, whatever they're yeah. doing.
0: Like, like it seems like a healthy franchise that that works. Yeah. I wonder what's, you know, I, you never want teams to leave their franchises, but it's, it's going to be interesting to see like the next five years as more of these billionaires come in and buy up smaller teams buy up like so we had the guys who like hedge fund guys who bought up milwaukee and the belief was that they would move the bucks out of milwaukee but then they built the stadium there it'll be interesting there's going to be a franchise right now that's currently in the city it's in right now that will move because seattle is a viable option for someone new orleans is like the most prime candidate wouldn't it be
1: great if the Oklahoma City, like Thunder, like they, this continues to do like poorly. To not and then, yeah. and then the wheels fall off, and then they move them back to Seattle, and they're just bad again.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the Sonics are bad. They had this Is that one. worse? Is that worse for <laughs> I Seattle? I don't know. Did they get a team back, but the team that they get back is the team it's that they just, just had? no
1: Russell Westbrook, no Kevin Durant. You just right. get back. You know, Nick. What's his face? That guy. That's <laughs> Nick always
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's still on the team. Yeah. Um. Last uh, news early question. This is less news, but um. Here's a headline from Deadline.com, which is a Hollywood website. Headline from Deadline. Star Wars The Last Jedi review. About as much fun as you could have at the movies. Brian! <laughs> there have been so many headlines. So the embargo for the review of The Last Jedi ended yesterday, I believe. Mm-hmm. It must have. Um, you saw all these headlines. Basically, every review is positive. I'm getting pretty worried. Because this is what happened with Force Awakens.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I don't know if you were reading the reviews before you saw it. No. People were crying coming out of Force Awakens. People, were, thank God for J.J. Abrams. He was a, he's amazing. He's a he's dude. Do you remember how you were when he first came
1: out? You were talking about it like you just found Jesus. I'm telling you, that's absolute. I came out of it angry. I came you, out of Force Awakens w- when I talked to you the first time. I was like, look, I don't want to be critical of this thing that you obviously really like. So I'm going to withhold my comments. And you're like, thank you, I appreciate that because they're just not welcome here. And then we didn't talk for a month.
0: Sure, you, I'm not sure you are talking about the right person, Brian. We didn't talk for a month, Mike. We You wouldn't return my phone. <laughs> Except we podcasted. You know, like, we podcasted with the bags whole on month. our heads. <laughs> the whole month. That, that's going to be a good gimmick yeah. for us to do. No, I'm pretty, Did you see? I, <laughs> I hated Force Awakens. Can me say something,
1: too? This was this was just a moment um, at the Hawks game when
0: we played when we... I love that. We, this is... People <laughs> yelling now. People are yelling. Oh, this is the best. Oh, this here? is good. <laughs> I hope people I hope people at home Could hear this um, Should I shut out the window
1: You're about off to get out of the street Yeah, yeah. I'll do it <laughs> oh, How long
0: okay. is going to
1: Okay Okay um, Oh wow uh, okay. It's going to be a fight We got to watch <laughs>
0: All right, well, we're, we're, we are back. Uh, thankfully, we just, yeah. like, ran to the window. Yeah, there was a fight. <laughs> just, anyways. <laughs> it was pretty awesome. All right, Nets schedule coming up. So so the Nets game, Nets-Knicks is a pretty important game. Uh, then they go to the Raptors, and then they're home for the Pacers. That's uh, the weekend schedule. All wins. <laughs> All I wins. love it. Perfect. Um, where do we find us? You find us on netsdaily.com, Almighty Baller Media now, mm-hmm. Brian. Um, at BK Glue Guys on Twitter, Facebook, we are there. And again, check out my column on netsdaily.com that I wrote the weirdest, strangest NBA Christmas gifts you can get for a basketball fan. Right on.
1: Thanks, everybody. Thank it's you. it's all Almighty Baller. It's not Almighty Baller media. Oh, I apologize. No, it's cool. It's cool. Um, all right. Take care. See everybody.